0: I heard a story not too long ago from Luke Powery, who's the dean of the chapel at Duke University. The story he told was about a couple in their 90s who was starting to have a hard time remembering things. And so they went to the doctor, and the doctor told them that physically everything was fine, but they might want to start writing things down to help them remember. So later that day, they were watching TV at home, and the husband got up and headed into the kitchen for a snack, Before he left the room, he turned to his wife and said, do you want anything while I'm in the kitchen? She said, yes, I'd like a, a bowl of ice cream, please. Taking the doctor's advice seriously, she said, don't you think you ought to write that down? No, no, he said, I can remember it. Well, the wife said, I'd also like some strawberries on top. Don't you think you ought to write that down? He said, no, no, I can remember it. You want a bowl of ice cream, strawberries on top. And then she said, "But I'd also like some whipped cream on it. I'm certain you're going to forget this. Please write it down." The husband, sort of annoyed at this point, said, "No, no, I can remember. Do you want a bowl of ice cream, strawberries and whipped cream on top." So he goes into the kitchen and 20 minutes later, 20 minutes later he comes back out and hands his wife a plate of bacon and eggs. <laughs> she looks at her husband and says, "Where's my toast?" Remembering is one of the most important acts in the entire Bible. The Bible itself is a way of remembering our ancestors in faith, write down all the things that God did, so that way we know who God is. Throughout both the Old and New Testaments, God and humankind remember. One of the most recognizable stories in the entire Bible is Noah's Ark. Even if you didn't grow up in the church, you're probably familiar or somewhat familiar with that story. That in the story in that story, the, the world just a few generations after God creates everything has become especially evil, and God wants to simply just kind of start over again. The only righteous family is Noah and his wife and his kids and their family. So they build an ark, fill it full of animals, and they are saved from the worldwide flood. And Noah and his family are stuck on that boat for 150 days. And just when they wonder if God has forgotten them. The writers of Genesis say God remembered them. God remembered them and the the floodwaters subsided and they walked out onto dry land. Another story in the book of Genesis, Rachel, one of Jacob's wives, has been waiting and trying to have children for quite some time, but she hasn't been able to have kids. And that's when it says God remembered her. In our own society where one in eight couples struggle with infertility, it's a, a reminder that God remembers those folks. The most important story in the entire Old Testament is the, the story of the Exodus, that the people of God are enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. They build pharaoh cities, they erect monuments to his greatness, and they fill his storehouses full of grain that they will never have access to. Generations living and dying as slaves. But that's when God remembers God remembers the promises made to Abraham to be their God forever. Promises that are irrevocable, trustworthy, and true. Now it may seem strange to us to think of God as remembering. It's not as if God has forgotten and needs to be reminded. When God remembers, it's God acting in congruence with the promises that were made. The psalmist declares that God remembers all of God's covenants. God remembers God's promises forever. We as human beings on the other hand, we're often forgetful, especially when it pertains to God's promises and faithfulness. We sing hymns like great is thy faithfulness because it helps us to remember how God has been faithful throughout all of our lives. It helps us to take a step back and look over the course of our entire lives and see those places where God was. Throughout the Bible, God instructs us to remember remember all of those times that god has been faithful doing what god said god would do one of the central acts of our own christian worship communion the lord's supper is an act of remembering this do in remembrance of me it says right on the front of our communion table remember jesus says remember me remember a life that has lived in its fullest for others remember a life of love justice and mercy Remember a love that was so strong that it was willing to go to the cross for us. Remember the promises of a day where we will all gather together at a table in the kingdom of God. Over and over again, we are told to remember. In the Old Testament, the people of God are called to remember that story, that Exodus story. Remember, God says, that you were once enslaved in Egypt. And so when you form your own society... And foreigners start living within your borders. Remember what it was like when you were foreigners living in Egypt and they chose to enslave you. If you forget that, then you might become guilty of the same things that were done to you. When God gives the gift of the Sabbath, the day of rest, God says, Remember the Sabbath. Remember to rest. Remember that you are not the sum total of what you can produce and create. Remember that in resting, you are placing your trust in God's grace, that you are loved just as you are, and not loved simply because you're doing something. Remember all that God has done, the psalmist says. Remembering all that God has done, that can be life-saving, especially in moments where we are wondering where God is. It can be the very thing that gives us hope for the future. In times of great transition and change, remembering God's faithfulness gives us the energy and the courage to walk through that change. What we read from Isaiah today begins with remembering. Isaiah invites the people to look back and to remember. The people of God are in that moment in their own time of wondering where exactly God was. They are in exile in Babylon, and that is one of the other great defining events of the Old Testament. It was a time of grief. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and we wept, it says in the Psalms. We sat and we wept as we remembered Zion. It's a longing for home, a longing to return back to normal, a yearning for God to act once again. But it was also a time of remembering. It was a time of looking backwards and reflecting on all that God has done. Much of what we have come to know as the Old Testament was written down or compiled during the Babylonian exile. And so Isaiah, speaking for God, helps them to look backwards in this journey of remembering. The Lord says, Who makes a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters, who brings out chariot and horse, army and battalion, They will lie down together and will not rise. They will be extinguished, extinguished like a wick. The God who makes the way in the sea. If you know the story of the Exodus, after the the Israelites make their way out of slavery in Egypt, they make their way through the Red Sea. The God who brings down chariot and horse, army and battalion. This is the God of the Exodus. This is the God who heard the people and their cries of distress and oppression in Egypt. This is the God who led them forward into freedom. This is the God who's addressing them now in their moment of exile, of wondering where they're supposed to turn. This is the God who remembers them. But then Isaiah says something a little confusing. Don't remember prior things, he says. Remember them not. That's a little strange, isn't it? Especially after all the things that I just mentioned, all the ways that that God calls us to remember. Don't dwell on ancient history, he says. And that seems a little out of place to me. But it also seems as if a prolonged period in exile has the people of God only looking backwards and not forwards. Their attention is squarely fixated on the past. It seems as if those exiles weeping in Babylon have become so nostalgic for the past that they think that that's all there is. It's nice that God did those amazing things before. It's really cool how God led the slaves out of slavery in Egypt, but what does that have to do with me? They have forgotten, it seems, the most profound truth of this whole story, that the God of the past is also the God of the present and the God of the future. When I was younger, I used to spend a lot of time with my maternal grandparents, and they used to drive me and my three other siblings around in their station wagon. And that station wagon was really cool because they had those seats that would pop out in the trunk. You know, remember those? Yeah. And my siblings and I used to fight and argue who forgot to sit in those seats because it was different, and mom and dad's car didn't have those. And so we'd rock, paper, scissors to see who could go in the, in the back seat in the trunk of the station wagon but there was no way we could see where we were going from that vantage point. We could only see where we had been. The people of God here in Isaiah are sitting in the back seat of the station wagon, seeing only where they have been and not where they are going. And that's when God says to them, Look, I'm doing something new. Turn around and see what that is. Remembering all that God has done prepares us for new ways for God to be faithful that remembering is what helps us look for signs of continuing faithfulness in our present and into our future. That the new thing that is springing forth is growing in the soil of God's faithfulness and love that have always been there. Who we are right now and who we will become in our future grows in the same soil of who God has been. As exiles look backwards and remember the God who led them out of slavery in Egypt, they're also to turn around And to look and see that it is the same God who is getting ready to lead them home. The way back from exile may look a little different than the way out of slavery in Egypt. But it is the same God who is leading them. Something new is springing forth here at Greenfield Presbyterian Church. The baton has been passed and now we are running the next leg of this journey together. You all, as a congregation, have been preparing for this moment for quite some time. And I do want to be clear here Isaiah was addressing people who lived in exile. I don't think that you all, as Greenfield Presbyterian Church, have been living in exile for these last 30 years. (laughs) That should go without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. There's a sense that Greenfield, as I've come to know you all, that you all simply don't exist, but you have been thriving over these past decades. You have stood at the forefront not only of the welcome of LGBTQ individuals in life of the church, but also the inclusion of those folks. And not even COVID could slow you down from working for justice and compassion in the world around you. You all are an exceptionally welcoming and caring congregation. And I want you to know how unique that is. Every church will say they're welcoming. And that's because every church knows one another. They know each other. Of course they're welcoming. I'm welcoming of my friends too. But Greenfield, as I've experienced you, first in my interactions with the PNC, then here in my first two weeks, you are an incredibly welcoming congregation. Heather, Axel, and I have received wonderful meals. We have, I've walked into my office some days and new gift baskets are waiting for me. We have been gorging ourselves on copious amounts of Saunders chocolate. <laughs> transitions are difficult. Even as you all have been preparing for this transition for quite some time, it's still difficult. But transitions for pastors as they leave one church and come to another are also difficult. We have moved across three states to be here with you. And so, thank you for the ways that you have made that transition easier for my family and I. All of that makes it very clear to me that you have not been living in exile. Now, with all that being said, the people that Isaiah addresses are living in a time of great transition. And we at Greenfield are living in a similar place. Like the people Isaiah speaks to, Greenfield has a valued and treasured past to remember. A past that is certainly worth our celebration and gratitude. A past that is marked by deeds of God's faithfulness and love. And all of that should be remembered with great joy. And so, as we begin to run together, what I would encourage you to do is to remember remember all of the ways that God has been faithful to Greenfield Presbyterian Church these past 30 years. As you look back with gratitude for all that God has done, the the God of the Exodus, the God who brings the exiles home, is the God who has been with Greenfield all of these years. And it's the same God who's with us now. To paraphrase one commentator, there is no need to limit God to past mercies. There's no need to limit God to simply what's happened in the past. The God of the past is also the God of the present and the God of the future. I'm doing a new thing. God says through Isaiah. Do you see it? We may not see it yet. We may not even know what's planted in the ground just yet. But what we do know is that what's planted is planted in the same soil of God's faithfulness and love that it has been with Greenfield all of these years. Peter said it well the last couple of weeks. The leader has changed, but the mission stays the same. It's important that I echo that here because there's a reason why I'm here because I believe in the the mission of Greenfield Presbyterian Church. The way back from exile may look different than it did from leaving enslavement in Egypt, but it is the same God who is with us. Whatever the new thing is, Greenfield is planted in the soil of a, a caring community of love and justice and of progressive theology. This is the soil of God's faithfulness to Greenfield. This is what makes Greenfield, Greenfield. Whatever new thing is springing up grows in and is nourished in this soil. There are new ways of being welcoming and inclusive. There are new ways of being people of justice and love in the world. There are new ways of embodying our unapologetically progressive approach to faith. And the beautiful thing is that those new things can grow up and coexist with what's already planted there. The God who has been with us is the God who is with us and the God who will be with us. And all of this begins with remembering. It's remembering that the God who planted us in this soil together is the same God who is cultivating new expressions and new ways of being Greenfield. Look back with joy for all that God has done and for all of the ways that God has guided Greenfield. But also remember that God is not limited to past mercies. Remember that the God of the past is also the God of the present, and the God of the future, who causes new things to spring up. Thanks be to God. Amen.